Near the town of Bethlehem, there were shepherds living in the fields who watched over their flocks at night. The rugged and common shepherds were attentive and guided their sheep. But on a crisp, clear night, where the stars lit the field beneath, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, surrounded by the intense light of God's glory. The shepherds were terrified at the sight and sound of what surrounded them. But the angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you news of incredible joy for all people of all nations. What use could this be, the shepherds wondered. The angel continued, Today, in the town of Bethlehem, the saviour for all humanity has been born. He is the Messiah you've been waiting for. He is Lord. But he comes to you, not as a king or warrior, but as a baby in a manger. Then a great company of angels appeared, praising God and saying, Glory to God and peace has come to earth. When the angels vanished, the shepherds said to one another, This saviour is for us. We must see him. So they hurried off. The th oh. The thrill of hope. Hope is really important, isn't it? Yes, thank you. I like the next line as well, the thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. Are you a little bit weary, a little tired? Let's follow along this morning to some shepherds in the fields to see how in the world they went from the place they were at, which is right where you're at, right where you're at, to a place of rejoicing. Are you up for the journey? Doesn't matter, we're going there. So Luke chapter two, Luke chapter two, turn with me. And in verse eight, it begins like this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified, but... The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. They bring good news. And Willow, this morning, that's what I'm going to bring too. A lot of good news. I'm not necessarily going to give you a ton of advice. There's a difference between good news and good advice. Good advice is what you should do when you leave. Ad news, on the other hand, news is what's already been done. And what's already been done, the angels say, don't miss that, the angels declare to some shepherds in the fields that the good news that has already been done will cause great joy for all the people. So what is the good news? We keep reading verse 11 today. In the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Jesus is the good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And my expectation for us this morning is that as we open our hearts to that truth, that he might cause that great joy in us too. 
But we could very easily miss it if we keep on rushing past Jesus in this holiday season. I remember last year at this time as we were filming videos for these services, let's remember the beauty of the fact that we are gathering today. But I can remember a year ago, yeah, I can remember a year ago longing for this, but also wanting to learn from the present reality. Do you remember some of those lessons we learned like slow down, appreciate the people in your home, you don't need a ton of stuff. Don't rush past the main point. As I was preparing this message, I actually thought about another child, not Jesus, another one. <laughs> not as important as Jesus, but you know. This little boy was pretty important, but his parents knew that he would be significant when he was four years old. When he was four years old, he took some rubber bands and he strung them on the drawers and he started to play. Ding, 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 ding. And he realized he could make music. And his parents thought, we should probably buy that child a violin, which they did, which was a really great idea because by the age of 12, he was in his first symphony. <laughs> by, the, by his 30s, he was in sellout crowds, tickets would go fast. In fact, his talent demanded $1,000 per minute at any, at any venue that he played in. This guy, Joshua Bell, was talented. So these... These, these guys who do social experiments had an idea. They're like, okay, so he's talented. So they approach him in when he was playing in Boston. They said, your next city is Washington, D.C. We have a crazy idea, a social experiment, if you will. Would you be willing to play your violin in the subway station in Washington, D.C. during rush hour? We want to see what's going to happen. And he smiled. And he said, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to bring my very best. They said, fine. He said, I'm going to bring my Stradivarius. I didn't know what that meant either. It's a $3.5 million violin is what it is. And he said, I'm going to bring my best during rush hour to the subway station dressed in a ball cap, blue jeans. We're going to set up security because it's an expensive violin. And we're going to see what happens. And he began to play. He didn't start with like pop culture songs. No, no, he started with Bach. He put some seed money into his little case and he began to play. And no one even paused for seven minutes. Not even a pause. At the seven minute mark was the first time someone paused, took a look, walked over and dropped in a dollar and moved on. A guy whose talent demands $1,000 a minute at the end of a one hour performance made $32.17. 20 of it was from one woman who was the only woman who paused for more than five minutes. She paused and simply watched for 10. And as soon as he finished one of his songs, she walked up, put the $20 bill in and said, you're amazing. I saw you play at the Library of Congress last night. How are you here? <laughs> they interviewed Joshua Bell afterwards. Like, how was that experience? He goes, shocking. He goes, it's also very humbling. During my normal shows, if someone coughs, I'm offended. But here, I was grateful if someone just dropped in a dollar instead of loose change. You see, these thousands of people, of the thousands that walked past greatness, seven paused. 
Why? Because of the rush of the holiday season. There's a lot of stuff to get done, presents to buy, things to do, places to go, tickets to purchase, environments to create, meals to... I don't need to remind you, do I? But this is why I love church. This is why I'm so glad you showed up this morning. Here's why. Because we don't have to miss greatness this year. And what we'll learn is a purpose behind all of that doing, but we won't be putting the expectation on all of that doing to provide what only Jesus can. You know what I mean? And what can Jesus provide? Oh, the word says it straight from an angel's lips. I bring you good news that will, ready for it? Cause great joy. I know, for all the people. Who's it for? Did you catch it? All the people. In fact, our reading began in verse 8 where it says this, and there were shepherds. Shepherds at that time were ceremonial, ceremonially unclean. Their testimony wouldn't hold up in court. They were disregarded by the community. A nobody is where they show up. And what do they show up with? The word that this good news is for all people. And the shepherds are like, even us? All people. And notice the shepherds. Look at the next word. And there were shepherds. Next word is this. Living out in the fields nearby. Keeping watch over their flocks. Did you catch it? They weren't working out in the fields. They were living there. They were living in a field full of sheep. That's where they were living. And if it's a field full of sheep, it's likely not just full of sheep. You know what I mean? I don't have to, okay. In other words, it was messy. Some of your lives, you're in the midst of a mess too. And you're trying your best to get out. You're trying to fix yourself, do enough. It's messy. And isn't it interesting that that is the place that the glory of the Lord shows up? In the midst of your mess, not your cleanliness. In the midst of your mess. In the midst of your mistakes. In the midst of your imperfections. In the midst of your anger. That's where the glory of the Lord, the angel, the angel of the Lord shows up to some shepherds living in the fields. Not a palace, not the temple, the shepherds. I love that. And the glory of the Lord, look, check it out, verse 9, it says, the glory of the Lord shone around them. Maybe you're going, yeah, yeah, I'm in the middle of a mess, but well, glory of the Lord is nowhere near here. Well, then I'd, I'd urge you. It doesn't say that the glory of the Lord shone on them. It says the glory of the Lord shone around them. If you're wondering where the glory of the Lord is this Christmas season, let me give you one encouragement. Look around. We're here. Although you feel alone, you're not as alone as you think. You're surrounded. And why don't you consider this just for a second? You considered the fact that God's provided people in your life who love you? When's the last time you just stopped and considered that? God's been providing all along. Maybe some of you are going, yeah, I don't like my job. Okay, but do you have one? <laughs> do you have the opportunity to look for one? Do you even have the opportunity to look for one that you like? 
My husband had great perspective when it came to the Lord's provision. One thing I would, I would start complaining about being a pastor. I'm like, it's hard. <laughs> People aren't perfect, turns out. He's like, you think the ER is? <laughs> I'm like, good point, touche. But he told me this once. I'll never forget it. He goes, you know what? Sometimes I just have to look. I have to look for the good. And there is some way that I am appreciated at the ER. I'm like, there is? One time he's like, yes. And it's consistent. I consistently feel encouraged and built up at my job. I'm like, consistently? He's like, yes. Do you want to know how? I'm like, obviously, he says. Every other week, without fail. Are you ready for it, Megan? I'm like, yeah. He goes, it's called a paycheck, Megan. <laughs> That's how I feel appreciated. I feel appreciated because guess what? It's on time and it's there every single week. Amen. Blue-collar workers are like, amen. <laughs> every single week. If you're wondering where the Lord's provision is, I wonder if maybe we need to take a second step back and see his provision all around us. Because that's where he showed up with the shepherds. They could have stared at the mess, but instead they looked up, and what the angel spoke is, look around. But I wonder if what we're looking for as we look around is not God's provision. We're getting caught up in more messes, aren't we? And can I just say, in 2020 and 2021, there's been a lot. Outside of my personal loss, we've all experienced loss. I mean, even think about all the tensions we've lived through and are living through mask mandates and everyone's opinions about it. You should wear a mask. You shouldn't wear a mask. You have to wear a mask. You better if you care about people. You shouldn't because of your freedom. Are you hearing the tension that is stirring when we look around? It's not just masks, I mean vaccines. Have you noticed I'm just telling you guys about it without any opinions? You're welcome. <laughs> and not just that, I mean, every, I mean, we've been through it, right? I mean, black lives matter, blue lives matter, all lives matter, rich people are the problem. No, poor people are the problem, lazy people are. I mean, are you hearing it? It's crazy, but here's the really good news that the angel brings good news that will cause great joy for all people with all their opinions. And the reason that's really good news this week is because all those opinions are gonna show up at your Christmas table. And you can either choose to talk about that and be robbed of the joy of Christmas, or you could talk about the one who causes joy. And can I encourage you? Let's, let's go ahead and take Jesus at his word. Let's take him at his word because he says that him coming on the scene will be good news that will cause great joy for all the people he intends to unify. With what? With joy because Jesus alone can cause joy. Because see, joy, similar to hope, this whole series is on hope, but if we take the thrill of hope, we have to see what hope looks like when it's uncontained, is that a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. We have to see that we have to be careful, because it's going to be very tempting this Christmas season to put the weight of joy on people, places, opportunities, and events that aren't him. And can I tell you, people will be crushed under savior-like expectations to cause joy for you. An environment cannot hold the pressure of the joy you're trying to get from it. 
Those events, those tickets, those environments you will create cannot cause you the joy you've been searching for. And so that's why it's not just us, they, the people that Jesus comes to, had a different opinion of what Jesus' coming would be. They too thought Jesus' coming would suddenly, he would take over Rome, he would rule, and he would fix all the problems. And don't we want that? Sometimes we, th- we hear that the message of Christmas, the best gift of all is Jesus, and we're like, great, but why won't Jesus do what we want Jesus to do? And so what we do is we set up other things in our lives, other environments we try to create to give us the joy that only Jesus can cause. And I'm guilty of this. This message has been an incredible conviction for me. I put the pressure of being a joy giver to my kids. And then I'm disappointed, see, Joy is a wonderful byproduct, but it's a really crummy goal because if it's a goal, then I'm going to critique everyone based on how joyful they make me. Same thing with hope. Same thing with peace. We don't seek peace. We seek Jesus. Jesus gives peace. If we seek peace, then we're going to critique everyone and everything based on how peaceful. And have you noticed kids don't always bring the most peaceful environment? (laughs) Because you know what I really want this Christmas? What I want really is to sit on my couch with a fireplace on. Anyone else? Hey, you know, hey, you know what? You know, yeah, for you. That's for you. Yeah, 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 that's what I want. I want this. Yeah, you're clapping for the fireplace. I know. But I don't want it to stop with a fireplace. Here's what I want. I want Christmas music too. And snow while we're at it. Hold on. Here, did it. You can close your eyes or sit and relax. Why don't you get comfy in your chair for a second? Go ahead, go ahead. See what it feels like. Hold on. Ready? Felt good, right? Maybe a little longer, just a little. That's all you're going to get, so gotta tell you, if that's your expectation of Christmas, you too might be disappointed this Christmas season. But if I'm honest, that's what I want. I want, but what do I, why do I want that? Think about it. Why do I want that? Why do I want my kids to open the gift slowly, one at a time, and then appreciate everyone's turn? Why do I want that? I want joy. I want to experience what joy feels like in that moment. And here's the good news of Christmas. And I love that this service is before Christmas because I can stand before you and tell you that will not cause the joy. Jesus alone can cause the joy in you because he alone brings the good news. See, if you're waiting for that perfect environment, you will be disappointed. Just like the 5,000 people who were fed in John chapter 6. When Jesus was doing all the things that they wanted, the crowds show up. When Jesus tells them what faith requires, they leave. So let's set our expectations right this Christmas to see where we might find this morning before Christmas where true joy comes from. True joy is caused by Jesus. In fact, it says this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit, 
but the fruit of the spirit, the spirit being God himself dwelling within, the fruit is the byproduct. And notice fruit is singular. It doesn't say, but the fruits are. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is. Jesus' presence is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, love, self-control. Right? Even, even I just want to rush through it quickly. Let me do it again. You ready for what Jesus comes, what gifts he brings with his presence? Pay attention. But the fruit of the Spirit is, listen carefully, love. You're already loved and he wants you to give it away as freely as it's been received. Joy. Joy. Why? Because if nothing else changes around me, I have security and I have hope in this place that no matter what happens around me, I have God's presence here and forevermore. Peace. The angels declare it, not just peace of God. We even, because of Jesus coming, have peace with God. Patience. How are you doing with that one? You want to know when you know you struggle with patience? If you check your phone at stoplights. That's when you know you struggle. But the truth is, you don't just struggle with patience, you struggle with joy. You don't just struggle with self-control, you struggle with love. Why? Because the fruit is singular, and what's the fruit? It's the byproduct of God's presence with us. In fact, the book of Psalms, chapter 16, says this in verse 11, you make known to me the path of life, you will fill me with joy in your presence. ESV puts it this way. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And the message of Christmas is this. You don't have to go anywhere else to find his presence because the message of Christmas is that Jesus' presence came to you. So you can just sit there and you don't need the fireplace, you don't need the music, you don't need the perfect kids. You need to know the Lord and for him to be enough for you because when he's enough for you, he'll showcase his enoughness through you and he showcases it by the byproduct, the fruit of his spirit that grows in your life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control and they'll see it, they'll taste it and then they'll want to find it too. How? Through you. See, the good news of Christmas... It continues, as if this is not enough. The good news of Christmas is God's presence saying, I'm coming to you. I know you don't deserve it, but I'm coming to you. And this is a radical distinction of Christianity in in contrast to every other world religion. Let me put it this way. Every world religion has a metaphorical ladder. Every single one. And here's what the ladder represents. There's us, and then at the top of the ladder is God. And what we're doing in order to experience joy, experience peace is, we got to climb up the ladder. you got to... Go to church. Feels good. You got to do your quiet time. I just joined a small group. I mean, I can't attend the small group, but at least I joined one. And then you had a really good quiet time. Two days in a row. Three days in a row. If it's so good, why did day four not work? And so then you try to get a little closer. You do enough things. You, you pray more. And then you forget for a while and you feel kind of that distance. Do you understand the ladder? There's only one problem with this ladder. Because God is perfect, this ladder is infinite. Every world religion has one of people trying to climb their way to God. Different world religions even have levels 
or directions of precisely what you have to do, when you have to pray, which direction. And there's all these things that must be required in order for us to attain presence with the Lord because in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And so we're constantly striving to do enough, but we're not making the time to do enough. And then we walk out of church feeling guilty. I'm gonna try harder, but then on Monday comes around again and then you're discouraged. And then you're like, I don't even know what to do anymore. And I'm just exhausted. The distinction, and I would argue the best news of all, this morning is that in Christianity there's still a ladder but the difference between Christianity and all other world religions is this because God knew that you could not climb up the ladder to get to him. You couldn't be perfect on your own. And because the only one to live up to God's perfect standard is God, so God sent himself because you couldn't get to him. He climbed down the ladder to be with us. That's Christmas. So... I just wish everything, I wish I could shake you, but that would probably not be good because of COVID. (laughs) I wish I could look each of you. I was sitting backstage talking about my heavy heart for you to know this, that you don't have to leave this sermon and go do a bunch of stuff to find the joy. You don't have to run to your family to find joy from them. You don't have to have them be on time for you to experience joy that day. You can just be right there and consider the fact that when you deserved it least, he came to you. How do I know? Because he came to shepherds and he said the good news is for all people. And by the way, that good news will cause great joy. Have you experienced the joy of the Lord? For me, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I, don't, I choose not to put strength in myself anymore. Because I've realized then the pressure is only on me to be enough. And I can't always meet my own standards, let alone his. So rather, the joy of the Lord becomes my strength. And when the joy of the Lord becomes your strength, then all you need to do is be with him. I wonder this week if that's what marks your Christmas a little different. You get away with him. Why? because we learned that that's the appropriate response from the shepherds. But they weren't the only ones that responded to the good news. We start with not just one angel, but actually a whole crew of them. Verse 13, this is the response of the people to the good news. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. I heard a song just this week, a friend of mine sent me, and it's written from the perspective of the angels, talking to God the Father as he sends his son Jesus to earth. And this is what the lyric says, it goes, the angels talking to God the Father, but will they love him? Will they they worship and adore him like we do? I wonder if that's the reason When Jesus comes on the scene, they start with praise and worship because that's the most appropriate response to God coming to us undeserved. Glory to God in the highest. 
Why? Because on earth there is peace to those on whom his favor rests. That's how the angels usher in this baby declaration. And they're not the only ones that model a response. We have the shepherds. Verse 15, when the angels had left and gone into heaven, pause. Did you catch it? Let me just do it again. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, I bet that was cool. The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. They began their journey in response to the good news that God came near. They respond by beginning their journey, drawing closer to Jesus. And they even have the audacity to... (laughs) See the Savior without cleaning up first. How do I know? They hurried off. See, if Jesus was in a temple or if he was in a palace, there would be ceremonially, they'd have to get cleaned up. But rather they hurry off. Why? Because the Savior lets you be precisely who you are and receives you as you are presently. He only invites you to come, to show up to time with him this week, church. And don't hear that as an obligation to try to get closer. Hear it as an invitation. He's as close as he could ever come, and he just wants you to become more aware of it. They draw near to Jesus. And then, verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the warning concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. In other words, they talked about Jesus. It's kind of like that one lady who saw Joshua Bell. I have a feeling she told someone afterwards. You won't believe it. Guess who I saw? Can you imagine Christmas table? Can I tell you about my time with Jesus this week? It was sweet. I know him. He's mine. I'm in a small group with an elderly woman who we were entering into December, and my response was, it's December already? She said this, it's Jesus' birthday. (laughs) And I was like, oh, yeah. Guess what, church? It's Jesus' birthday. It's time to celebrate. How? By, I'll wait, drawing closer to Jesus and then telling people about what that's like. You want to know why? Because they need him too. Mary, here's her response. We got it right here, verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. In other words, Mary just paused and did nothing but spend time with Jesus. Mama's in the crowd. Can I give you that encouragement? Why aren't things ready? Oh, they're ready. (laughs) I just need to get away with Jesus. Because isn't that what we want for our kids? I wonder if it might be modeled through us. And lastly, we have the final response of the shepherds. They drew near to Jesus. They told about what they saw. And then, verse 19, 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, 
which were just as they had been told. You ready for the simple truth? And this is what I want us to rest in. This is where we're landing. The shepherds returned where? To the field full of sheep. In other words, they went back to their same job. They went back to their same friends, their same family, except this time, they're rejoicing. You see, what's in their driveway hasn't changed. Their salary hasn't increased. The medical diagnosis has not changed, yet it's possible to rejoice there. So Willow, I want to send us off worshiping. We're going to go into one more song. Rejoicing. Why? Because we've met our Savior. We've acknowledged that he's come. We've hurried nowhere else but into his presence so that we might talk about it and return to the field God has entrusted into our care, except this time we're rejoicing. That is hope that's uncontained. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we don't have to go somewhere, do some extravagant thing. We just get to be with you. So I pray, Lord, I pray over everyone that can hear the sound of my voice that they would prioritize being with you over everything else. So even now, you're here. And for those of us in this room that don't have a personal relationship, I pray for them specifically, God. Would they turn to someone around them right after the service and say, I want to know Jesus. I pray that for someone in this room. Lord, you're enough. You're everything we need. Get our eyes on you this Christmas because it's your birthday. Help us wish you a happy birthday, we pray. And all God's children said.